Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. It's another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast as football gets even closer. It's almost here. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gills Gilbert from the GPC Studios in my beautiful suburban home right here in MHK. Working on an NIL deal, guys. We can't discuss it quite yet, but it's going to be really cool. Thank you, dude. It's going to be really cool. Speaking of cool, we got something really cool coming from Cole Carmody. Colsey Wolsey will be announcing something on, uh, yeah, that sounded horrible, on Friday. Right? This Friday, we this, decided? This Friday, yeah. Okay. We'll be breaking that out on Friday. An exciting new addition to the Go Powercat lineup for your football season. I'm pretty fired up about it. But I'm really fired up about this podcast because we are getting ever so much closer to football season. It is Tuesday as we record this. We are fresh out of a press conference with Van Malone, associate head coach, and the three position coaches on the defensive side of the ball, Coach Tui, Coach Stannard, Coach Wyatt. And uh, it was good. It was really good, and I, I just love Van Malone. That's my whole walk and talk. It's like a man crush on He's amazing, Van isn't Malone. He? And I started off the walk and talk um, with I always have I always think one thing whenever I'm in a situation when I've got Van Malone around me. And I, I said at the end of the press conference, Wyatt Thompson leaned over to me and spoke the words that were in my head. How is this guy not a head coach? Someone's got to hire him. Uh, someone – I'd be intrigued to watch what happens, and he deserves that shot. Speaking of shots, make sure you go to the fridge wholesale liquor and buy you some. They they don't come in individual shots, although you can do that. Get the little fireball ones for your 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 tailgate, easily to conceal for sneaking into football stadiums. Hypothetically speaking, I'm not encouraging you to sneak in liquor. Put it in your cowboy boot. I've heard that always works. Yeah, there's other places you can put those things that nobody will find it. <clears throat> Anyhow, they have that at the fridge. You can get giant, you know, the the real size bottles of Fireball for your adult shots. I don't know why you're buying Fireball. Anyhow, they've got all kinds of stuff. They got everything you need. Whether you're a wine person, a beer person, a liquor person, or a uh, like milk person. Do they have milk? 
I don't think they have milk. I don't think they have anything that expires. They have muscle milk at the fridge? They probably do. <laughs> I bet they do. Because once you get your lift on, do you want to take some bourbon? The fridge, wholesale liquor at the corner of this and that. I'm not even going to try to save the streets ever again right here in Manhattan, Kansas. Man, that was a, that was a read. That was, was good. That was almost like adulting for me. Guys, let's get rolling with your questions from Wild Bass Station. This is the drill. Our VIP members ask us the questions. Everyone gets to hear them on this podcast. It is free content, so we don't cover a whole lot of recruiting, but we do get into team stuff quite a bit. And if you're not a subscriber to Go Powercat, stay tuned. Around the end of this month, you will want to take advantage of the offer that is coming. And here's an offer you can't refuse. I watched The Godfather the other night with my wife. My wife never seen The Godfather. So now you're the one making Godfather references. Oh, yeah. Brando's (laughs) awesome. Who's got the questions? Ryan Gills Gilbert, you go. Okay. I chose you. KSU number one asks, do you expect a quarterback besides Adrian Martinez or Will Howard to play in week one, assuming no injuries for this question? I think so. Wouldn't you, Zach? I do. I think the best case scenario is Adrian Martinez plays the first half, maybe less. You let Will Howard play at least a quarter? I think they'd go. You think you'd go full half with Adrian? Probably into the third just so he can get cycled through. Yeah, I I get that. But I think that you play him for a half, you play Will Howard for a quarter, and then whatever series after, you know, the third quarter, hopefully you're up by enough that you can put in Jake Rubley, you can put in Jaron Lewis, you can put in whoever you want at that point. I, I don't think Will Howard plays in week one. Um, I do think that if there is a way to redshirt Will Howard until they absolutely need him or they feel like he is going to give us the best chance to win, I don't think they'll play him. Um, And I do think we'll see Jake Rubley. I think we might even see Adrian Laura because, really, what other times are you going to be able to see him? So it would not surprise me to see the what that guess that'd be the fourth and the third and the fourth guy, fourth and the fifth guy potentially um, in, in this game. Um, so I, that's kind of how I see it. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think, I think Adrian Martinez is going to play at least three quarters. Like I, they're going to try and get him as accustomed to the offense and every single live game rep matters when you have not been with a team for, you know, what a sem- more than a semester. So yeah, I think Adrian Martinez is going to play a lot. Okay. Ryan Gilbert, if they don't play Will Howard, which I understand the point of this to try to preserve that red shirt, you, you know, you can still use him in four games, but. Don't do what they did against Kansas last year, which was play him in mop-up duty, and it ends up being a fifth game. So if you don't play him, do you just turn it all over to your number three, or do you maybe give him a couple possessions and then give the fourth and fifth guys a possession? I'd rather give it to Rubley, like Cole mentioned, because if if Martinez does get hurt, you want Howard because he's capable of going out and winning games, whereas Rubley hasn't proved really anything on the field in a real game, but... Fitz, you mentioned KU last season. South Dakota almost beat KU last year. I know KU football isn't good, but they still prove they can compete with the Power 5 team. So uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Martinez, if this is a two-score game in the fourth quarter, you're not pulling him. You're keeping him the whole game. So I don't think we'll see anybody besides Martinez or Howard, personally, just because this game might be a little closer than we we might think. And I I also want to add, too, with this, guys, there's no way of knowing what the coach's plans are with Will Howard. They, they, you know, we asked Chris Kleiman about it, and he said, oh, well, in an ideal world, we'd like to redshirt him. Sure. But on that same token, if you don't believe that Adrian Martinez 
is going to stay healthy throughout the entire season, I could understand the argument for playing Will Howard that's, in this game. That's how I view it. How many times can you use Will Howard as a break glass in case of emergency guy? I mean, if that's all he's known for, you know, at some point he needs to, you know, have faith in being the guy instead of just being rushed in there. So if you get him some reps in this first game and hopefully maybe against Missouri, maybe against Tulane, where hopefully you're up enough to where you feel comfortable getting your quarterback, your backup quarterback reps. But, you know, I just think I would be worried about the outlook of the season if they don't play Will Howard in the first game because they should be up by enough to where it's safe that you don't need Adrian Martinez to play the full game. But if, if they don't play him the first game, that means that they're literally going to try riding the entire season on Adrian Martinez and his health, which I think is extremely dangerous to do this early in the season to just expect, hey, we're trying to bank as many games for Will Howard to save that red shirt again, which, hey, we screwed up last year. I don't have any faith that Will Howard is able to preserve his red shirt this year. And, so at that point, yeah. you might as well play him every opportunity you well, get. And like and, and my opinion on this is screw saving the red shirt. Right. That's my opinion. I don't think that's their opinion, but my personal opinion, screw saving the red shirt, get him ready to go if need be. And guess what? He will be able to help you win football games this year. He can do things that Adrian Martinez can't. That's just the bottom line. So screw trying to save the red shirt. He needs to play. That's that's kind of how I'm feeling on this whole thing. Again, that's just a gut feeling. I don't think they feel that way, and we'll find out real quick because if Will Howard gets in the gets in the game, we'll know exactly exactly what they think yeah, about that quarterback position. I agree. Why not just put Rubley and this is my opinion, put Rubley in and put one of your backup running backs in, Giddens, whoever it may be, and just let them run the ball and play football for 15 minutes and and get the win. No, Why I'm, even I'm good with that Howard? at the end. I'm good at that with that at the end, but. If you if you don't play Will Howard in this first game when you're expecting to give mop up duty to somebody, it just it telegraphs their plan for the whole year that he he has a shield of glass in front of him and they're only going to break it if they need it. And that's what got them. That's what got them into trouble last year. They played them, played them against KU. You still needed him at the end of the season against Texas. You make him play a fifth game. You screw up that whole strategy. I don't have any faith that they they don't screw it up again. They managed that so poorly last year. Mm-hmm. And at this point, with Will Howard, it, it's make or break. And I think that you need to act like he's a capable backup, ready to go at a moment's notice, instead of playing this game of, oh, well, we want to save his clock, save his red shirt. I think at, at a certain point, you just got to say, Will, you're our guy as the number two at this point. And say we're going to play you when when we need you, is and you it, might as well get as much out of him as possible. Is there any chance that the mismanagement of Will Howard last year, in inserting him in a useless game against Kansas that someone else could have mopped up, played a role in Courtney Messingham's departure? Sure. I mean, we all visibly saw the disjointed play calling and the the bad game prepping at times, but to me that was. That was a huge mistake, and it had to have been him because, you know, Chris Kleiman lets his offensive coordinator be the offensive coordinator. I'm, he has input, but it's just the opposite of Bill Snyder. He let the defensive coordinator be the defensive coordinator because he was an offensive guy. Chris is a defensive guy, and he's been more involved on the defensive side. 
And I, th- I think it was a big mistake to play Will Howard in that game. It's put them in this position, which is less than desirable. You do need him for the full season. You do want him available just in case. But I think you're right, Zach. And le- until Adrian Martinez is is uh, removed from a game because of injury or they only have four games left, they, they you can't exceed four games of him playing. You get to the end of the year and he's only played in two and you got a bowl game maybe a championship game, you know, then you're fine. You're in good shape. So I'll just be very interested to see how they do it. And I'm kind of with Gills. If I would take whoever's the number three, and if you're up, if you're comfortable, let him play. Just let him go play. And then maybe you dip down and, and give your other guys a snap or two. It's because Howard doesn't need to play. He's played, what, 12 games already for K-State? Yeah. You don't need any more experience. In my opinion, so. it's not about the experience. It's about the reps and being yeah, ready yeah. to go. You know, if you go, but he was thrown through the fire his freshman year. Yeah, he was. He's been through it all. I think what you'd like to see when he does play is what we've been hearing is that the game is slowing down for him. He's less rush. He's less timid in the pocket. A little uncertain of what he's doing. Man, I, I tell you what, seeing him at Monday's open practice, this kid is big. I mean, he he looks the part of an NFL quarterback. He didn't have the arm, but maybe that's developing with his upper body strength. We do forget that he is a he is pretty young, you know, that he was a true freshman when he played, and and then a true sophomore. So he should just be a redshirt sophomore this year, which is kind of when you come into your prime sometimes as a football. The player. elephant in the room is Avery Johnson. Yeah, because. If they don't redshirt Will Howard, that means they are expecting Avery Johnson to sit out one year and then to be ready to go. And so if they believe that all Avery needs is one year on the bench to learn behind Will Howard, to learn behind those other guys that are still going to be there, and they feel like he can make that next step to be a quarterback and play as a redshirt freshman, then maybe they don't redshirt Will Howard. I'll take it a step farther. If you really believe in Avery like I think these coaches do – you need to find out what your other guys in that room can bring to the table. I mean, at some point you're going to have – it's going to weed out. If Avery really comes in and shows what he can do and everyone in the room will know it, there will be guys transferring. You're going to need to figure out, no, you're the guy we really need to compete with him because you can beat him out. You need to figure that out, and you need to figure that out not in practice where we've seen Will Howard be successful and then struggle in games. You need to put him in game situations and figure out who is your ideal Room once Avery Johnson is is in in purple game what situations 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 game situations situational situations <laughs> from Sco Cats the last time a quarterback with the last name Martinez played a game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium he scored five touchdowns how many of those sorts of performances would it take for Adrian to get some actual Heisman consideration really had to bring that up huh I think just one. Because he's already shown his potential his freshman year at Nebraska. Well, I think the world will <clears throat> take notice of him, not just when he does something good, when he not doesn't do things that are, you know, turn it over. And n- when he gets rid of negative plays and has big games, then everyone's going to notice. I, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say this. K-State has two legitimate potential Heisman Trophy finalists this year. And, you know, one's obvious in Deuce Vaughn, and the other one, if he cuts down the turnovers and continues to make big plays, he will be in there too. And if they're both at that level, this team's really good. In K State has to win at least nine, probably ten games though. Like in Manhattan, or Kansas, Deuce you probably or have Adrian to, to win. Yeah, you have to. 
Well, I'll say this. You, I think you've got to get to the 10 win threshold to get an invite to New York. You've got to play in the Big 12 championship. Game. How many games did Manziel lose? Four? Two. Two? Think, yeah, One or two. They were really good. They were good oh, that shit. year. Shoot, shoot. <laughs> wow, there he just went. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. That's who I deal with every day, folks. That's the guy. Potty mouth bartender. See, I think if... If Adrian is in the Heisman conversation, I feel like that means that Deuce wouldn't be. I feel like if he's going to be the guy and if he's the the Kansas State, you know, guy that's going to New York City, if he's one of the Heisman finalists, I think he probably does it with his arm, throwing the ball to people that are wide receivers and not running backs, and he does it with his legs and runs for a whole bunch of yards as a quarterback. Because I think if Deuce Vaughn has a good season – you know, he's going to be catching the ball. He's going to be running the ball. You don't really necessarily need, you know, a, a pass thrower to be to be a good pass catcher, if that makes sense. Uh, the way I see this is K-State doesn't have to be incredibly amazing for Deuce Vaughn to be a Heisman candidate. He can put up ridiculous numbers, right? He can put up a ridiculous amount of touchdowns, yards, receptions. If he is the all-everything for K-State— which, I mean, that's not out of the question, then K-State can win eight or nine games. I think if K-State wins eight games, eight regular season games, and he puts up amazing yards, he's in consideration. On that same token, however, K-State, if they win more than those that number of games, if they make it to a Big 12 championship game, I think that takes Deuce Vaughn out of the Heisman running and because Adrian, Adrian Martinez in, into that. Now, there's a lot that goes into that. I think mostly just because that means Adrian will have had to have had that good of a season, not taking away from Deuce, but he has a little bit, I guess you could say, more national name recognition simply because of his time in Nebraska and he's a quarterback. So I think if K-State wins 10 or 11 games, however uh, many it takes to get to the Big 12 championship game, Adrian Martinez will be more in that conversation than Deuce Vaughn. Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. It's... There's a certain win threshold where Deuce might be more likely than Adrian. Because if you have eight wins and you're the running back and you go off, you know, those games you lost, those weren't your fault. Right. You know, if you go eight and four, those four losses, they're going to weigh a lot more heavily on the quarterback's performance than the running backs. Mm -hmm. So I think at a certain point, it would shift to Adrian. From 3G Wildcat, on a scale of one to 10, with one being the most vanilla. What do you think we will see out of the offense to start the first game? Oh, this is a good question. I'm going to say one with fat-free, sugarless vanilla. So, like, 0.8. We're going to see nothing. You think that Collins is going to go full Bill Snyder? Yes. Oh, I disagree. I think that... Yes. I think that we're going to see some vanilla stuff for what this offense is going to be, but it's not going to be vanilla because it's new. But you're going to see a lot of base stuff. That isn't complicated. It's not hard. That's vanilla to it's, fans. Mm, it's vanilla, but it's going to be the base plays of this new-ish offense. You know, if they go up tempo in this first game, I think that that's really going to set the tone for what this offense can be and what they may try to do throughout the season. I think that... Um, I don't know if you're going to see all... You're, you're obviously not going to see all of the new concepts... But you're going to have to see something, I think. And I think that this first game will be a good measuring stick of how different the offense is going to be compared to the last three years. I think K-State is going to run what they want to run 
and not necessarily worry about who they're going against. Right? They're going to work on themselves in this first game of the season. They don't care what South, who South Dakota has, what South Dakota is running. They're not going to game plan to beat South Dakota. They're going to game plan to see what they can do for the next week against Missouri, the following mm-hmm. week against Tulane. So, yeah, you mentioned base plays. That's all they're going to run. And so, yeah, it might look a little bit better than what K-State fans have been used to with Courtney Messingham. But compared to what this offense, to what I believe this offense is going to do, it's going to be extremely vanilla. Okay. It's going – if you took this game and put it in 2023 – it's a one on the vanilla scale. Yes. But since it's not, okay. and it's 2022, Fair. and it's Colin Klein's first actual game as the full-time offensive coordinator, it's going to be a five. So a little bit of vanilla with sprinkles on it. It's cookies and cream ice cream. Okay. Hmm. My point is that Chris Kleiman's a smart coach. He's aware of his surroundings. He knows how his fan base feels and how they felt about Courtney Messingham. Like you mentioned, how bland and boring it is and that we have – podcasters like us that talk about you know his mistakes that he made last year right everybody knows it and so he knows how happy you know fans are to get a guy like Colin Klein in at coordinator they're gonna pull out probably a few trick plays or something to get the fan base excited for the rest of the season they're not going to give out the whole playbook against South Dakota obviously but you've got to get the fan base excited and Chris Kleiman's smart enough to know to do that I think we're going to find out what up tempo actually means is it snapping the ball at 10 seconds instead of one second or is it you know a no huddle and you're snapping it at 25 for a few plays i think we will learn what that might mean this first game i think we're going to see some hand signals that's just a completely out of left field thing for me but it would not shock me last year i felt like and maybe i was wrong but i felt like there was not a lot of signaling from the sideline to the quarterback it was let's huddle up Let's get a play called from, you know, a receiver running in or, you know, however they do that. No, I think there's going to be let's get up on the line. We're going to check the check for the play with coach and then we're going to go. And I could see that. But, you know, as far as actual concepts go, I don't think we're going to see anything ridiculous. They're going to have those signs. That's kind of what I mean. The weird those make like, no like sense. They the haven't, four, they the haven't had pictures. those yeah. <laughs> under, uh, under climbing. But the last year of Snyder, they did have the goofy signs really? on the sideline for a little bit. Huh. But I don't think they had them after that. They just go to little colored numbers. Yeah. yeah. Boring. Hmm. We should be the new coaches, guys. What do you think? No. Okay. No. <laughs> last question of the first half is from Mr. Zaiha. I'm waiting for Zach to... I honestly I couldn't tell you. Merzia? Merzia? I don't know. Anyways, welcome to the website. Welcome to the podcast. His first, his or her first post on Wabash Station. Could a successful season, say 10-2, and two, boost K-State's worth on the realignment stage? Would a top 10 or 15 finish improve K-State's value if the Big 12 were to hypothetically to hypothetically be railed after the season? That's railed? Rated? Rated? Rated. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, dear. Well, that's an exciting way to end the season. Um, That is really actually an interesting question because so many people, when they talk realignment, live in the moment. I mean, they they look at the standings and say, who's good right now? Who do we want? I don't know. Honestly, I I think people are getting past that now. They're beginning to understand um, what really brings value to a conference. And there's no... There's there's no mathematical equation that 
has Kansas State bringing value to the SEC or Big Ten? That's just the cold, hard truth. Unless the value is really having elite football programs and not necessarily solely based in TV money, then yeah, maybe K-State does. But let's not kid ourselves. They're not trying to collect the best programs. They're trying to make the most money for their programs. And in the process, sell you the the crap sandwich that says this is the best. Because it's not the best. We know it's not the best. Even the Power Five doesn't represent the best. You look at the, the rankings, and we know that to be true. And it's not just a school like Fresno State having a good year, and they're loaded, and they get ranked. This is about programs like Cincinnati and BYU and Houston to a lesser extent, and certainly in the past, UCF, that have been consistently ranked. So, um, you know, none of those schools will move the needle like Kansas State, at least right now. I, I think Central Florida, UCF, as they prefer to be called, will move the needle after 10 years of Power Five, just like Utah uh, seems to think now they're Big Ten worthy. Now, that's what they don't get. Yeah, on the field and academically, maybe, yeah, since they are an AAU institution, you do fit the Big Ten. But you don't move the needle. You don't bring the value that an Oregon or Washington or a Stanford does to them for whatever reason, whatever calculation they're using. That won't be Kansas State, folks. If this is going to be about two conferences aligning the biggest draws in TV, I'm afraid they're going to have to go past 24 teams apiece to get a K-State. And that's that's not going to happen. What K-State's hope is is that the Big 12 can emerge as the third conference, the conference that isn't totally rooted in squeezing money out of your TV value and bringing in worthy programs. Maybe you're, the money will be less. But again, through the history of college athletics, Texas has proven to us that having the most money doesn't mean you have the most success. So I'm fine with that. But I think K-State's place is right where they are, right where this school is, and growing this conference into something special. Well, the Big 12 is not going to get rated after this offseason, right? I think no. they're firmly planting themselves as that number three conference. Unless something completely obscene happens. Well, KU's we, going to the Big Ten. It's imminent. We've got to be honest here. This conference has been rated three times. And the top six national names have been taken. Now, whether there's value in a Colorado now, there isn't. Is there value in a Missouri now? No, there isn't. They have devalued themselves by moving conferences, but it's happened. They've gone. This conference has gone through the trauma. Maybe in an expansion to 20, Oklahoma State comes up in a conversation. That conversation won't be the Big Ten, though, because I don't think they have the academics that the Big Ten wants. If the Big Ten just sets that aside, they might do that, but not for an Oklahoma State. They do that for a Notre Dame or a Nebraska. I, I don't see anyone in this conference being on anyone's agenda until they go to 24. And they only go to 24 if the ACC cracks and opens up. And if that happens, I still don't see a big 12 team being on it because those schools will all be so valuable, you know, because of their names. They, I don't know. I, I just I don't see the big 12 being damaged in any way by this round and anyone in the Pac-12 who thinks any Big 12 institution is going to go to the Pac-12, well, your state probably shouldn't be legalizing hard drugs like they are because you're apparently taking them because it's not going to happen. I think when you look at the last 12 years of realignment, how many schools have actually moved from Power 5 to Power 5 conferences that did so just based on on-the-field performance? 
And I would say there's only one that has probably truly earned it solely on the field, and that's Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is truly the only school of anybody that's moved just solely based on results on the football field. Them going to the to the SEC, it makes sense based on them making the college football playoff multiple years in a row. I mean, it, it makes sense from that standpoint. But that's really the only school. You look at Colorado, that wasn't on the field mm-hmm. merit. Nebraska, you still had AAU status. You know, that's a big deal in the Big Ten. If you're going to the Big Ten, academics plays a role, and it's important. So any school that's going to the Big Ten, it solely isn't on the field product because of all of the academics that are involved with it. Texas going to the SEC, that's money. They just have the money to get in. They can be wherever they want. They can go 2-10, and and they're still Texas, and that's what matters. You look 10 to 15 years down the road, I think that's when on-the-field success might matter in the next round. We're talking in the 30, maybe after the ACC's grant of rights is up in 2035 or something. We can have this conversation. They're not making it to 2035. There's no way. There's no way. If the Big Ten and SEC want those schools, they're going to get them. I feel like in 2035, we could still be talking about it on the same podcast. This half might still be going in 2035. Let's stop right now. That's it for the first half of the PowerCat podcast for this week. We'll be back on the other side with more K-State discussion and content from GoPowerCat.com. And our sponsors at Fridge Wholesale Liquor. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, right here in Manhattan, Kansas. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gills Gilbert from the GPC Studios. Man, I'm fired up about Cole's new project. I'm excited. You're going to have to look sexy. Excited for grad school, all those projects he's been talking about? That's it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. It's your questions from Wabash Station. We do it every week. Subscribers get to ask us. Everyone gets to hear it. And with the second half, it's Cole Carmody. First question of the second half comes from Ohio Ohio Powercat. Skylar Thompson looked great in his first NFL preseason game and his last bowl game. Is that the quarterback he could have been if he had a different offensive coordinator and or he had no injuries? I've, I'm fascinated by this 
topic because I do wonder. He did look really comfortable in Colin Klein's system. But maybe it was just because he was rested and, and healthy and felt confident going into that game. And things worked. And then it built his confidence. But I wouldn't have ever expected him to go out in his first NFL preseason game. And he got the start because of the other two quarterbacks weren't available. And he just tore it up. He looked in every way like an NFL quarterback. Now, is he a dynamic, big-arm guy like a Mahomes? No. But he managed the game. He didn't turn the ball over. Maybe he got sacked a few times when he could have gotten rid of it. He got him into the end zone. He moved the ball consistently. His completion rate was absurd. I think Skylar Thompson proved he's going to be an NFL quarterback. If that means a starter, that'd be incredible. But at the very least, he's going to hang around on a lot of rosters because he proved the most important thing that any coach wants from their backup quarterback. The kid was ready. He was ready. And our friend Scott Reynolds, who runs the Pewter Report, which covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was just blown away by how good he looked in that game against the Bucs. And I think the Dolphins are going to have a real issue here not making him the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might be able to dump a Teddy Bridgewater and the salary that goes with it um, if you can find a third guy. It'll be fascinating to watch. At the very least, he's going to absolutely make the Dolphins roster. And if for some reason they cut him loose, he's going to get signed immediately. You don't want to know how much money Teddy Bridgewater is making this year? How much? $10 million. Yeah, that sounds like How much is guaranteed? 6.5. Yeah. 3.5 million to cut your losses? Or you can pay Skylar Thompson whatever the league minimum is. Right. Because what I, as I've said from the very beginning, as soon as Skylar Thompson got drafted, this is the perfect fit for him. Yep. You have Tua who everybody knows if you follow the NFL, he's not exactly the most popular quarterback, not only amongst Dolphins fans, but amongst the coaches as well. I mean, when Brian Flores was there, he would start Ryan Fitzpatrick over Tua. Right. So, like, what does that say? Um, and then you have a guy in Teddy Bridgewater who, yes, he's very he's, – he's skillful. There's no doubt about it. But a guy who's hurt constantly so you're in a situation where you pretty much have two starting quarterbacks in Tua and Teddy Bridgewater do you want to take your chance that Tua you feel like if Tua is your guy and you really feel like he's your guy then that kind of paves the way for Skylar Thompson because I think you have to feel comfortable about him being in the number two I don't think this is ever a a point of will Skylar Thompson you know start be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins this year because I think he's probably still a year or two away from doing that. But on that same note, I mean, he did this against a lot of ones against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he didn't just do this in the preseason game. He did it in the scrimmage that they had when they scrimmaged each other. I mean, people were saying that Skylar Thompson looked better in that scrimmage than he did in the game. So um, I know this isn't really what the question's asking, but I find it hard to believe that Skylar Thompson will not be suited up for every single game this year. He's somewhere. If it's not in Miami, he will be somebody's backup. Like he will be the number two. He will be an inactive quarter, or he will be an active quarterback, and he will have a chance to make a roster, or he will have a chance to get into a game. This is I firmly believe that. And this isn't what the question is asking, but you know, Skylar Thompson has pushed this to where the Dolphins really should deal one of those quarterbacks. Get rid of Tua. Get rid of Teddy. Whoever, pick one to ride with. And I think Skylar's definitely proven himself at this point that he's a capable NFL backup. And do not forget this point. This is a first-year head coach. He did not bring in Tua. 
he chose and his staff chose to draft Skylar Thompson. There is something behind that. There is something about bringing in your guy that there's this is in this all this happening. Skylar Thompson performing well, the quarterbacks being injured. This all adds up. This is all in the conversation. Skylar Thompson is going to get a chance. If it's not with Miami, he will get a chance. And it would not shock me to see him actually get a start at some point for somebody this year. It really wouldn't. I would not be shocked. You mentioned how bad Tua is, though. Your favorite, Tyreek Hill, says he's the most accurate quarterback he's ever played for. Well, just wait till he gets a chance to play with Skylar Thompson. <laughs> I agree. Tua's not been that good in the NFL, but I think his ceiling is still relatively high. Bridgewater's just like, a, no pun intended, like a bridge quarterback between, you know, like Denver had him. You know, But I think Tua has a chance to prove something, but I'm not scared of Bridgewater at all if I'm Skylar Thompson. And to answer the question... I feel like he was that guy before he got hurt. Like when he was younger, he was a very dynamic playmaker. When he wasn't hurt, he was splitting time with Alex Delton. And then Chris Kleiman comes in. He has a very good year. He gets hurt. And then he comes back and gets hurt again and has to completely rechange his game. So, I mean, you could make that argument if he has Chris Kleiman from the very beginning. Let's lead into the next question if that's know. where you want to go. Just... That's where you want to go. We can we can keep going on the next question. Okay, next question from Powercat Ryan. Which coach get, which coach gets credit for Skylar Thompson? In other words, is Skylar a Bill Snyder quarterback or a Chris Chris Kleiman quarterback? Using that same reasoning, is Colin Klein a Ron Prince quarterback or a Bill Snyder quarterback? Well, no. I mean, Prince moved him to receiver. Wide receiver. Yeah, so he's not <laughs> at all. He's a Ron Prince wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be real defended about this. Skyler is a Chris Kleiman quarterback. Bill Snyder mismanages quarterbacks in his last phases. He was literally trying to split time, which rarely, if ever, works. But he thought he could make it work, and it didn't work. And as good as Alex could be at times, Alex Delton was never consistent enough to be a starting quarterback. He was always kind of destined to be the relief pitcher that could come in and, and give you long relief if you needed it. But he's not the everyday in-and-out quarterback, and Coach seemed determined to make Alex that and determined to not have Skyler be the quarterback. And for the life of me, I will never be able to understand why he did that or how he came to those conclusions because he'd been so masterful about using quarterbacks, motivating them, getting them ready, even when he had a certain number one, he always had everyone ready. And he so mismanaged that room in his final years, it was frustrating. And I think it was one of the signs of decay in terms of his quality of coaching. Skylar Thompson wouldn't be in this position without Chris Kleiman and without Colin Klein taking over as OC and really showing him this is what you can do at quarterback in the bowl game. I do believe that. My answer is, sorry to interrupt, Fitz, it's got to be Kleiman because him and Thompson had a relationship well before he took over at Kansas State. He recruited him at North Dakota State. So all the things you mentioned, Fitz, yes, but on top of that, the relationship they've had, it's got to be Chris Kleiman. And piggybacking on that, Fitz, you were talking about in the latter years with Snyder um, mismanaging Thompson and Alex Delton. Ryan, Ryan and I had a show when we were on student radio, and I would say this whenever K-State would get ready to play, quarterback with quarterback situations. Um, whenever you have two quarterbacks, that means you don't have one. You taking a shot at my Pittsburgh Steelers right now? Mm. 
I know that's a pretty fair analysis, right? So I feel like you can never settle in with somebody if you're cons- consistently going back and forth between quarterback to quarterback. And that's kind of what happened with Skyler. But again, if he does not get hurt against Texas Tech in 2020, I think K-State has a chance to win the Big 12 that year. I mean, they started out, what were they? What were they? Four and one? Um, the one was also a, a fair enough. Arkansas State, right? Right. But again, that didn't count towards the conference record. Very true. That's true. So I you know, feel like they ran, they ran out of guys. There was personnel that were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. There's I think, no way of knowing. But maybe, maybe things are managed differently. And by managed, I mean I'm not saying that they, you know, that other teams didn't follow the COVID rules. But if you have a chance to win a championship, I think that season looks a little bit different. See, I just I use that as my defensive Will Howard. If he can come out in his first game on the road and as a starting quarterback and win. You know, and then he struggles down the road. I just don't see how other quarterbacks wouldn't also struggle. Granted, I know there's other holes you can poke into my argument, but that is the way I go. But getting back to the question, I don't think Skylar Thompson is ever a, a Bill Snyder quarterback because if Bill Snyder comes back in 2019, I don't think Skylar Thompson's here. Good point. He is gone. So anything before, you know, essentially before Kleiman. Yeah, Skylar Thompson played. He had some success here and there, but he really truly didn't become the quarterback he is until Chris Kleiman was here because he finally got to be the guy. And just the fact that when Kleiman came, he essentially gave him the keys to the car. This is your team, Skylar. That's essentially what he told him. And I think that that is is what put Skylar Thompson to where he is today with the Dolphins. It is crazy to think about what would he be remembered as if he never ever got hurt at K-State? Oh. See, I think if let's let's say he, you know, he was recruited at North Dakota State. Let's say he goes up to North Dakota State and plays there instead of I don't remember who bridged the gap between Wentz and, and Trey Lance or and Easton Stick, but he'd be right in that mix kind of. And probably he would have been playing instead of Easton Stick, but you know, I don't think that the trajectory of Skylar Thompson's professional you know college into professional career i don't think it's too different if he plays at north dakota state and he probably wins a national championship or two and probably ends up on an nfl roster mm-hmm. in the same spot mm-hmm. very good next question comes from call me t22 who i would just like to say recently is an engaged man so congratulations how do you know this to call me t22 mm. is it to you it is not <laughs> okay it's it me Oh, you guys just seem to know these things. I, I know everything about everybody. Oh, oh, sheesh. <laughs> he says, talk me off of the ledge of this being a very fun year for K-State athletics. Football hype is what it is. Tang has optimism around the basketball program again. Volleyball should have their best team in years, and women's basketball looks top 16 national seed scary. It's going to be a fun year. I'm fired up for this year all around. Yeah, everything's going. Every time I go by that volleyball facility, I'm fired up for volleyball i mean that place is impressive i mean they gotta close up the walls but it's so much bigger than i thought it would be yeah but i'm I'm really excited about the season top to bottom in athletics i think it's going to be a special year i don't want to like actually answer the question are we supposed to actually take him off the ledge (laughs) why are you on the ledge for success it's like K-State could be really successful. Talk me off the ledge. It's like that yeah. gif. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Michael Scott gif. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Have you seen that? 
I feel like that's if if Is you that could what just. He means? I feel like if you could just like respond in a gift form, like that's exactly the one he would use. I feel like football season. You should ex- you should feel the way you feel about football season every August. You're excited to just get going again, and it's a blank slate, and you're ready to go. Basketball. Eh. It's going to be some growing pains, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's exciting. I, I don't get me wrong. I, I think it's 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 exciting, but I don't think it's going to be as thrilling because you're not going to be winning as many games as you would hope at the beginning. But I think they'll be competitive and it will be They'll be, be competitive fun. and it'll be fun and it'll be new life into this basketball program. But I don't know if it'll be It'll feel different. It'll feel better because it's different. I don't know if it's actually going to be truly better. Cole, are you offended that Call Me T22 didn't uh, include baseball in his question? No, because he understands that they're going to be terrible again. Ooh. Hot take from Cole. That is a hot take. Maybe, hopefully. I, I don't know. Like if, I don't, is, women's, is women's basketball really a top 16? <sighs> they almost were last year. They could be. Yeah. They got even better this year. They got, like, what, three All-Americans to come in? Um, well, they were the nine seed last year, so top thirty-six team. Mm-hmm. That's at uh, one point yeah. in the year they were they were close. So okay, they got to get a lot more athletic. But I think that they got some girls to come in who are can Yoki break her own record? Yes. Although it's hard to see how she can get much better, isn't it? Wasn't she benched for the last minute or two of, the of game? that game? Yeah, they should so have. She- ran, they should have. They should have let her well, out. Well, she took there. herself out because she knew she was going to break that record again one day. That's why. Mm. Forward thinking. Yeah. Very cool. You're saying that she sandbagged? Did she yes. say that? No. I'm okay. Just <laughs> I'm, I just think. That, <laughs> I think she's going to break it. Alleg- alleging that she sandbagged the game herself, even though she set the record, is kind of kind of risky. There. She's shoeless <laughs> Joe Jackson. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> She's going to spike her competition? Golly. Goodness. Uh, last question of the podcast comes from Go Power Ranger Cat, who has been around for 34 months. So first of all, thank you for continuously sticking with Go Power Cat. It is their second post of all time, and it is their first question. So It's a long one. Welcome. welcome. I included it. And I think this I'm might. I'm glad I'm not reading this one. I think this might be Zach's burner account because once I hear the question, you, you would understand. No, I, I saw the question and I saw it was from a new account. Or it was the first question. It was like, this this just smells burner account all this over looks it. Bad. But it's it's a, it is a good question. It's it not my account. So first question comes from not Zach's burner. It's not me. <laughs> Look it up, Fitz. Look up the, the info. So from Go Power Ranger Cat. Formula One's popularity blew up in the United States after the launch of Drive to Survive on Netflix. People became attached to the personalities of drivers and managers they had never heard of before in a sport they had never seen. A venture like this for the Big 12 could build connections between the athletes with the fans inside and outside of the typical Big 12 footprint and nationalize the brands if done well, while also providing screen time for athletes to assist in their ambitions for NIL opportunities get fans to know to to better know the athletes what would be the interest level in the kind of media for this under the current media deal would it be required to be hidden on espn plus i'm imagining each episode dives into a few games from a couple of teams including the games they play each other what was it 2035 with the granite rights deal that's the acc acc, ACC. we're still going to be talking about this question <laughs> 
This is a very interesting point, though. It is good, yeah. Because, um, uh, you know, indications are that the Big 12 could end up with Fox and ESPN just like they are now. But what if there is an Amazon? Because Amazon wanted it in college football. Now we're hearing they don't want the Big 12, (coughs) which is cool. I get that. That's fine. Um, But what if there is someone that comes along and says, yeah, we'll take a piece of the Big 12. But this is the kind of stuff they'll show a game or two, but this is the kind of stuff they want. And through the season, they unveil like 12 different mini docs on every program. I'd rather them wait until after the season's over, yeah, and just okay. do a recap. Kind of, I mean, that's what F one does is they release it every March as a season. You know, as the the new season is about to start, they release Drive to Survive. You know, early March, right before that first race, so you get to watch it, and it's it's kind of a dramatic documentary recap of the last season, and they follow all the teams. I think that this this type of sports documentary, it's extremely. Well done. I mean, you can you can produce these extremely well. Um, for football, it wouldn't be much different or much harder. Um, and you can tie it all together. You'd you'd probably have a producer that's making a little bit more drama than what there might actually be. But a show like this, if you're going to have broad appeal, it needs to be. But I think the key to the success of Drive to Survive and shows like it is that it's on Netflix. You have Bingo. to be on Netflix if you want this Bingo. to work because you need those 80 million. I mean, it's just like ESPN being able to charge so much because they're in so many different households. Netflix is also in so many different households, and that's what it, the exposure is. And and really, 50% of Drive, Drive to Survive is about learning about the person that they're covering. It's not about the race result. It's not about that. And even the races themselves are dramatized and I don't want to say made up, but, you know, like take like Haas last year, that episode from the most recent season. Nikita Mazepin, Russian driver, not very good, but the race that they focus on him, he's in this battle in his home country and it's raining and yada yada. And he's like, oh, you pass, you know, you pass two people at the end to finish like 16th or 17th or something. Like it was completely farcical as far as the result goes, but it's well produced and it makes you invested in in that now with games between two people it's a little different but you know they've done this with with f1 netflix is currently producing a pga tour docuseries similar to it i believe and you know stuff like this is the future of sports in my opinion you have to have a behind the scenes documentary kind of embedded film crew at least for parts of your season to better connect with the fans because and, and connect with people that may not be fans, but they see, hey, this is in the top ten on Netflix this week. I'm going to watch that and see it, you know. And you know, if you start off with a K State episode and you have Deuce Vaughn and he's just hanging out doing whatever, and you know he's a likable person and they cover you know his interests well outside of football, you know you can connect with these these athletes and create a fan base for yourselves. Kind of like what this question gets at. You know, the best way to do this is to hire the film crew, the producers of Last Chance You, and you shoot it exactly like that. And instead of doing it for every single team, because obviously that would not work, not make it like a hard knock. Well, they did thing. that with Oklahoma State and KU on ESPN+. Plus. And I get that, but you want to do it for the whole league. No, I, yeah, you yeah, you have to do it right. right. You need to pick certain games, pick certain weeks where you're covering them, and 
If if the, the KU, coaches will hate it, that's the problem. Sure, but if if the KU, but you got to force them to do it. Mm-hmm. There's no more. You can't be a Bill Snyder in 2022. You just can't. You and and I would even say that Chris Kleiman is somewhat similarly restrictive to Bill Snyder. He's better about social media. He's better about letting us come into practice. But you know those spring games that you know we would go to early on when he was having spring games. And there were certain parts where, or like spring practices, you know, you can't film after this point. The scrimmage, you can't film. Bill Snyder couldn't dream of not letting the media film a spring practice. Like it was, it's crazy to think about. You have to be open to to everything in 2022. If if the KU, there should be a camera in for every locker room speech, every team meeting, somebody should be filming everything for content, not for, you know, big brother type purposes, but for content, you should always be on. Would you agree that if the KU and the Oklahoma state documentaries were on Netflix, you would have a much better chance of watching it than if Absolutely. it was on it. And we, every single person sitting at this table has access to ESPN+. Plus. But you would rather watch something on Netflix than you would on ESPN+. Plus, Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean. There's because it's Because you're putting it next to other competing well, yeah, content. It's, it's a habit of going to Netflix and looking for content. I. I go to ESPN Plus once in a while and look for content, but the way the platform's set up, it's aimed at games. This is what's on right now. And while they have some pretty good content back there, it's kind of in in the background, and you're really not looking for it. I admire anyone who's gotten ESPN Plus and said, I've watched all this and all that. I'm like, I don't give a crap about any of that. Any of that. I just want to watch the games. That's why I have ESPN Plus. I think the most important thing is... Uh... The Last Dance is a Netflix production. That is on Netflix. It is not on ESPN+. Plus. Hmm. So I think from, from the contract standpoint, I think that the Big 12 and Brett Yormark, and maybe it's through Rock Nation, maybe you do something like that, find a production company to do this. Hire the production company, they make it, and you sell the rights to it. And hopefully Netflix is the highest bidder. I really thought almost three weeks into the Brett Yormark era, this would be a 16-team super conference with uh, with a game scheduled for Mars. I'm a little disappointed. The travel budget would just get blown by covering that game, though. It'd take a year to get there. How would we do that? I'm not going to Mars. You can go dig your own grave. Yeah, exactly. I watched For All Mankind. It'll not work out well. That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions Podcast. We appreciate you listening so much. The overtime's done. We had a complaint about the overtime. And it's done. It's over. No more overtime for this year. Don't we want to do one? We can just do one whenever we want to. We we don't have to live by rules. Life of Fitz has one more episode. If I can get my guests lined up. We were just texting, and I thought we were set for Thursday, and I never got the confirmation. That's kind of like Zach and his women. Mm, just they, they text and text, and then they don't text back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't know where that came from, but okay. I, that was a nice shot. I will give you that. I'll just say that this person I am texting with would be an ugly woman. Kind of like me. 
Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.